Welcome to One News Inside Parliament. I'm going to jump straight into intros today. I'm Lillian Hanley. We've got Jessica Much Mackay and Benedict Collins with us, as well as the return of Mikey Sherman. Dun, dun, dun. Whoop, return of the Mac. <laughs> How are you? I am happy to be here, guys. Kia ora to all of the listeners. I have missed you. I hope you've missed me. I have missed the podcast. It's great to be back. And I'm super excited after all of the crazy stuff that I've been watching at home about what's happening and what's been happening in the last six to seven months. Yeah, maternity leave must have been an interesting time to take a break, but it must have been quite fascinating to watch. It was. I think you really do get a different perspective on news and how we do it and how we deliver it. So it was quite good to like take a step back um, and just watch it all unfold from home. But I will say, honestly, I did not miss it at all like even though there was some really juicy and oh, just the um, prime minister changing mess <laughs> different <laughs> prime minister we've got a uh, former labor minister now a maori party uh, mp slash independent no cabinet ministers are left i know i mean geez um but uh, you know you know what kind of stress and work ethic goes into producing these news stories so I was like oh my gosh I'm so glad that I'm not having to do that and I was just chilling at home with a very cute baby. She is very cute but on the flip side we really missed you and we're very (laughs) pleased that you are back. Thank you. Indeed. Very very happy to have you back. Uh, Michael Wood is arguably the biggest story this week and it was I really was not expecting it to end like this I have to say. Jess you covered this as it broke on Tuesday Yeah, what was actually, just to give you a bit of an inside scoop into Parliament and how they actually broke, we were sitting in the kitchen in the press gallery with about 10 of us there uh, talking about the bridge run and how we can streamline it to leave more space for MPs to come through. And um, Luke Malpass, the political editor of Stuff, uh, looked at his phone and said, whoa! And so all of us (laughs) turned down and looked at our phone and said, whoa! And then just all stood up and left the room, saying nothing. So we got a note from the Prime Minister office saying that in 20 minutes a press conference would be held on the future of Michael Wood. So um, <coughs> most of the time, sorry. I was just seeing this message also from another room nearby. I saw that and I was like, okay, Michael Wood's future, that means he's probably definitely lost transport. But my understanding, he'd appeared at a select committee that morning. He was supposed, we were told he was fronting at 1.40pm on the bridge for an immigration announcement. So I was like, maybe he's still got immigration. Maybe, maybe he's just losing transport. Nick Minute. Yeah, ne- what happened? Yeah, n- never bodes well, does it, when you are you know, having a press conference about your future? Mm. In 20 no. minutes? Yeah, in 20 yeah. minutes that we didn't know about. And I think usually with these stories, you, you get a bit of a feel when things are going to happen. This was not one of those stories. It came as a bit of a bolt. But as soon as you knew what it was about, I, I think you could see the writing on the wall. I just did not realise like, the extent to which... He mucked. He he really mucked up. It was it was bad. We were we, you had gone to the press conference at one thirty. I went up to Bridge, which kind of starts around one thirty one forty. That's when the ministers walk into the house. We, a whole bunch of journos are standing there who didn't go to the press conference, and we're listening on our phones, trying to understand what exactly he'd done wrong. Can you just? Yeah, so basically what happened with the um, registrar looking into his shares. So first of all, there were the Auckland Airport shares, right? Um, didn't declare them. After two years of little, uh, excuse me, Minister, from the Cabinet Office, please can you sell those shares or do something about it? He finally sold them, done. When he was 
preparing for this report by the registrar into um, his financial affairs, into what happened, he actually discovered as part of this family trust that he has that he had all these other shares as well. Tens of thousands of dollars in the Australian bank. Trouble is, that's the parent company of Bank of New Zealand. Trouble is, the government were deciding whether to do a banking review. So you should not, you should be managing that conflict of interest. He hadn't. The other thing is, is he had Cora shares and Spark shares. Trouble is, as immigration minister, he gave uh, a special exemption to uh, telecommunications technicians. So he should have exempted himself from that. Now, he says that he didn't, that didn't cross his mind. He didn't even know he had the shares, but that's not the point. You can't be making these decisions. One of the really interesting points that I'd be interested to get your thoughts on is in Australia, they have the system where you, if you become a minister, you cannot hold any shares in a public or private company. So basically it means the equivalent of KiwiSaver is fine, but anything else isn't. You can, if you've got um, shares put them into a blind trust for somebody else to manage, but it means that you don't have any oversight um, or any knowledge of, of what's going on there. And I do wonder if it would just be simpler. Now, you know, uh, when MPs, a lot of MPs come in here, they will take a financial hit. If you say, hey, come in here and get paid a lot less than what you got paid before and oh, um, sell off all your shares as well, that might make it less attractive for some people. But what what do you guys reckon about all of that? Can I just say, as as, as an addition Sorry, I feel to like that, I just well, for a long time. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I just as an addition to that, because some of the, you know, what has been been said around the Michael Wood stuff, and I suppose others in terms of conflict of interest, because it's not the problem necessarily that you own shares; it's how you manage them. That's what I've been hearing in regards to Michael Wood, how you manage them, and ensuring that you manage it so that you recuse yourself from any decisions that would be different to the Australia model like you say and actually Christopher Luxon as an example when this all kind of blew up he also he, he was asked about what he did with his shares when he became a politician and he sold them he had millions of dollars in Air New Zealand shares and he sold them so that is one pathway that you you can do right yeah and I think on the on the bridge um we're sort of getting reaction to the Prime Minister's announcement. I was um, in the stand-up with David Seymour, and he definitely felt that it would be really um, uh, kind of restrictive for for people coming to going into cabinet, right? If in, in terms of you know, people with business experience, shares and stuff like that coming into cabinet, it would you know have kind of a, a negative impact on, on that. So that was you mean um, if if they sold them or. Yeah, yeah. He, he thought it was you know overboard, sort of suggesting that people would have to sell their shares I before think, going into cabinet. I think the the underlying issue for me in this whole saga is the arrogance of Michael Wood, because we know that he is a very clever guy. He's been touted as one of the strongest performing ministers, so he should have known better, and he did know better, and he had multiple multiple. Um, attempts by the Cabinet Office to kind of bring this to his attention to get it sorted. He even said that he'd gotten it sorted and he hadn't. So it's the arrogance for me of a minister who simply did not make moves to to fix up his own house, to get his whare in order. And I think it's not stupidity, it's arrogance. And I'm thinking, you know, 
what does that say about a minister who is in charge of so many massive portfolios that he's so arrogant that he dismisses all of these attempts to get his stuff in order and he just doesn't do it and it's the trust issue too with Chris Hipkins who's even yesterday at a stand up was saying he still hasn't gotten a straight answer from Michael Wood about why he didn't get his affairs in order and why he said he had when he hadn't so it's the trust issue for me can Michael Wood make a comeback I'm not sure he'll have to regain the trust of um, his leader and his colleagues the upside for him is that the talent pool is ever dwindling for Labour so that might be his saviour I think it was really interesting with the Prime Minister's reaction to it on what day are we today Wednesday it was on Wednesday um the Prime Minister's only been in the job for five months, but we obviously have known him well as the COVID-19 minister. And just how frust- like visibly frustrated he was walking into that press conference and just how angry he was. Um, and I think that perhaps other Prime Ministers, you know, Jacinda Ardern was perhaps a little bit, um, hid her, could hide her emotions perhaps a little bit more easily. Uh, Chris Hipkins cannot, he he just has it written all over his face and his temperament and he was really mad about that. And it's because Chris Hipkins in his press conference said, you know, when the Air New Zealand shares came to the to the forefront, um, he asked Michael Wood, are there any other shares? And Michael the Wood Auckland said, Airport Auckland Airport shares, Auckland, eh? Yeah, the yeah, Auckland yeah. Airport shares, sorry, and he said, no, there weren't. And then lo and behold, boom, tens yeah. of thousands of dollars here, Thousands of you know shares other in other areas and and you know he just didn't disclose them. Incredible that he sort of says he didn't know about or claims not really to have been aware of them. And well, I don't know about tens like, of thousands of dollars of shares yeah, right. I've got either. One yeah, it's other, really tough. One other claim being that he didn't know that he had to declare those, which is I just like you say, Mikey. It's just mind blowing to me that somebody who's touted as one of the most competent or fair and just minister, you know, he's he's held up on such a pedestal in that regard that he wouldn't have his own stuff. Someone close sorted. to the minister said to me early on in this that he is a very effective and competent minister, but sometimes with his separates his home life and sometimes lets those things slide a bit and classified this, their description was that he classified this as a home problem and didn't treat it in the same way that he did as a as a minister. Now I don't I don't know him well enough to know if that's the case or not, but I thought that's quite an interesting insight uh, into him as a as a minister and whether that goes some way to to explaining how this could All right, possibly happen. All right, I bet you he leaves his wet towel on the floor. <laughs> that, that is, well, don't worry, Nicola that. Willis will come <laughs> around right, and tell That's that. that. <laughs> um, as a, this might not be something to make too much out of, but the difference between, so for example, you've got Stuart Nash, he was sacked. Michael Wood was given the opportunity to resign. Is I mean, there- he was given the opportunity to resign, but the Prime Minister said that he was left with no uncertainty as to what his political future would be in that meeting. So for simplicity's sake, yeah, I mean, he did afford him that right to resign, but if he hadn't... I, I guess you're right, though, in the fact that he, that's not what he did to Stuart Nash. And it's interesting to talk about, you know, can Michael Wood make a comeback? I mean, the way this government is going at the moment they might not be coming back at all right um into government after the election it's just 
strings of their of their ministers getting into trouble. And yeah. about, oh, sorry, you go. No, I was just going to say, and you think that's going to damage them um, with the public, with voters? Well, I mean, it, it has to, I think, eventually, right? When, it, when it's just non-stop, every couple of weeks, you've got another minister either, you know, bailing on the party altogether or, or getting, you know, stood down, having portfolios taken off them, getting sacked or resigning. You know, it's just, it's just a steady stream of, like, Ministers acting up. The listeners would the listeners would like to know just when is our next poll? <laughs> oh well, Mikey, I'll give you the date just for. <laughs> Sorry about that. We just lost that there. Uh, but yeah, look, we are going to be ro- polling regularly. I think these things sometimes have a little bit of a lag. So I think if we were polling tomorrow, we might get a slightly different response to if we were polling in a couple of couple of weeks on this once it's sunk in. But I just think the uh, the other thing, we are only four months out from an election. That is not many weeks to go. This is the time that that Chris Hipkins should be running with long strides, uh, the wind blowing through his hair, leading the country. He's not been given the opportunity to do that. His ministers keep kneecapping him, and he can't do his job properly. And that's got to be so frustrating. Is it enough that he's, to some degree, been decisive when it has? You know, when these things have come up, he's made really quick decisions. He's been like. You're out. Sure, but it's cabinet ministers. Honestly, sitting at home with the baby on the couch <laughs> watching um, the news unfold, the, 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 the first sort of strike for, for Michael Wood, I was surprised that that portfolio, that transport portfolio wasn't taken off him. Entirely. Mm-hmm. Like when when it was revealed that it was actually 12 times that he had been asked by the cabinet office. Over I was like, surely, years. surely just take that portfolio off him now. But, but he didn't lose it. Um, and he I stood think down, right? He was stood down, but I also think he's lost a couple of ministers. Mm. And you know, poor Andrew Little and um, who else David has picked Parker up? David picked Parker. Up. My gosh, Carmel they're Cipollone, just yeah. yeah like, how many more portfolios can you load onto the shoulders of these ministers? I mean, I know it's only four months out from the election, but but it's only seven sitting weeks, right? You've only got a certain true. number of yeah, it's true. Like two months of sitting weeks to get through actual parliament. But parliament, you know what I mean? like that's that's a bit rough. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's like no time at all. So I just think that those will be heavy loads for some of those guys to lift. I do just a note with the Michael Wood stuff though that's worth pointing out is that he is a very experienced and competent minister. He is in a safe Labour seat, whether that's damaged or not by this. And he is pretty popular within the party. So if he can make his his if he can come up with an answer and kind of do some explaining about what happened here and redeem himself, there is a possibility that he could claw his way back, but it's just whether he's got that fight in him mm-hmm. and, whether, and whether the public, how the pub, this lands with the public as well. And Hipkins has sort of left the door open for him. That's what I found quite astonishing yesterday. Even though he hadn't, he's not gotten any explanation yet still, mm-hmm. he's like not willing to kind of cast him out entirely. And I didn't find it that astonishing because of those reasons. Right. You know, like I that that I'm not shocked that he was doing everything he can to try and try and leave that door open for him. If he does a bit of work. Yeah. This is also kind of I mean it's all tied into this string of ministerial mishaps, I suppose, and Benedict, you were across and broke um the resignation of Ming Foon at the end of last week, which is tied into some of that. Do you want to just... Yeah, so this is all about um, failing to disclose uh, conflicts of interest uh, again. So if we go back eight weeks, nine weeks ago now, we um, did the story about 
Kitty Allen, Justice Minister, having taken political donations from the Race Relations Commissioner Ming Foon. Um, and pretty much immediately after we did that story, the Human Rights Commission began an investigation into um, Ming Foon um, because he had never disclosed those political donations to the Human Rights Commission. So for the last couple of months, the Human Rights Commission have been looking into him. And um, last last Friday, I gave uh, Ming Foon a call and he um, he. he basically told me on on Friday morning that he was waiting to find out and he was expecting it might happen on Friday whether or not he was going to be fired or whether he'd be allowed to stay. Um, and he told me that he regretted these political donations and that he agreed, you know, it created a perception that there was a lack of independence at the Human Rights Commission, even though he felt he had always dealt with the government without fear or favour. He accepted that and he really regretted it. So eight minutes after Ming Foon told me that he was waiting to find out whether he would be um, fired or whether he could stay, he emailed the Prime Minister's office resigning. Um, and what had happened during this investigation by the Human Rights Commission, they had uncovered, or he, he had, I think, uh, eventually said, hey, there's another matter as well. And he had not disclosed um, either the political donations or that he was he'd made just over $2 million, in, or received just over $2 million in payments from MSD for emergency housing. So he had a, um, a number of, um, I'm not sure that you'd call them properties, a number of sites that basically he was putting out as, as emergency accommodation. He had never declared that to the Human Rights Commission, and the problem was he had sat in on an inquiry the Commission had had into emergency housing where he had a massive conflict of interest. So for the last um, eight weeks, they'd uh, been investigating, and the Ministry of Justice also, because um, they sort of have oversight of the Human Rights Commission, they also got involved. They found that um, uh, Ming Foon had basically breached the um, Crown Entities Act, the requirements for him to act in, an, you know, uh, in a um, professional and uh, impartial manner. Um, he'd broken that several times. And so they told um, Deborah Russell, basically, hey, what, what are you going to do about this? And she thought, um, she really focused in on those emergency housing payments, um, failing to disclose that conflict of interest. She thought there was, you know, basically serious um, misconduct uh, by the commissioner and made it clear that she was going to get rid of him if he didn't go. Um, but it was really interesting talking to Ming Foon about those political donations because he was telling me, hey, you know, I didn't just give money to um, Kitty Allen, it was $1,500 and also um, provided her with her campaign office in Gisborne. But he'd also given $1,000 to the National Party and he gave $50 to the Greens. And he said, see, I am being even. And I did say, well, you know, that, that's not quite being even. He said, no, no, but I have been sharing it round. And in his mind, the reason Ming Fu never disclosed this to the Human Rights Commission is because he felt his donations were under that $1,500.01 where you have to declare it under the Electoral Act. So he was kind of taking that Electoral Act view of political donations and then not disclosing it to the Human Rights Commission, right? But obviously, by providing that uh, campaign <coughs> office, which was worth about $9,500 to the Labour or to Kitty Allen's campaign team, that put him way over that $1,500, which is why it got disclosed, which is how it all got flushed out in the end. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty interesting having a chat with him. Uh, and then uh, the interesting thing was the Prime Minister's office put out a statement um, in the afternoon confirming that he had uh, resigned, which was uh, quite a shock to um, Ming Foon because he believed he was uh, going to – they were going to um, – 
he was formally going to resign on Sunday, not on the Friday. And so pretty uh, quickly after we, um, we, we pushed out a news alert that he had he um, resigned, ha- had resigned. Resi- he, he, he called me or texted me and he said, Benedict, I'm in the dark. What's going on? I haven't and he, resigned. And, and so he, he, was, he had fully, he believed he was just giving the Prime Minister's office a heads up that he was going to resign on Sunday. The Prime Minister's office took that to be his resignation letter um, and then, yeah, over the weekend, it was really funny. He turned up to an event as the Race Relations Commissioner on Monday morning. He told me, in his eyes, he was still the Race Relations he Commissioner. He formally resigned, And, and he right? hadn't resigned. <coughs> By Monday night, though, uh, the, the writing was on the, uh, on the wall. And what a Ming, <laughs> Ming, Ming Foon was gone. Hellabaloo. Do, do you think everyone might like, oh benefit gosh. from some little catch-up lessons or some, you know, lessons around conflicts of interest? Maybe we should all do a bit of, like... Here's an idea. PD, yes, read them back to school. Well, first of all, education. read the cabinet manual if you're a cabinet minister. There's a little bit of advice. If you're a senior public official, don't donate to political parties. That d- Just take that advice on board. I'm sorry, well, especially when a key part of your job is to hold the government to account, yeah. right? You shouldn't... Not complex. Yeah. Just... Pretty basic stuff. I mean, I just cannot stop laughing when you said, so you gave a thousand bucks here, a thousand bucks there, and then he gave 50 bucks to the Green Party. And I was just wait, like, wait. oh, what a cheap Maybe yeah. Yeah. Got and a raw deal there. And not one cent to ACT, who, um, which is perhaps unsurprising given the ACT Party oh. would like to kill the Human Rights Commission uh, altogether or um, get, get rid, rid of, of it. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was interesting. Exciting and couple so of days. So huge, huge consequences for uh, Ming Foon for um, those political donations. Um, and the the MP and now Minister who took it, um, Kitty Allen, um, she is still in charge of the Human Rights Commission, um, which they, they did move the race relations portfolio out to the Associate Justice Minister, Deborah Russell. But yeah, interesting judgment there, I think, by the Prime Minister. On to a, another and so quite messy. quite serious, I suppose, uh, topic this week. We had a surprise press conference called by Oranga Tamariki. Um, yet a sort of another incident from the ministry. Mikey, you covered this. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so the announcement was that uh, two staff members at Oranga Tamariki residences uh, were removed from those residences uh, after allegations of sexual inappropriate behaviour towards five young people. Now, these are two separate staff members who are not known to each other. They're at two separate residences. One is a care and protection residence, which is basically for young people who have been removed from their families and need somewhere else to go. And the other is a youth justice facility which is for um, 14 to 18-year-olds who are either on remand or have been sentenced. Um, and so the first um, case was raised with Oranga Tamariki by fellow staff members, and the second case was raised by staff members to uh, the, uh, the Children's Commission office when they did a surprise site visit. Now, the Children's Commission then raised it with Oranga Tamariki. Uh, once they got that second notification of a second staff member they decided to um, move quickly and brought in former police commissioner Mike Bush uh, to lead a rapid review of all of the facilities um, and to basically take some sort of control oversight of those facilities that report due back in two months. Um, Following our story on, on this on the Wednesday 
Uh, we also were contacted by another young person who said they were in a youth justice facility um, right up until March this year, and that last year um, they also were subjected to inappropriate sexual behaviour from a staff member. And so we put that story out last night. So it's it, there are certainly lots of um, issues there to be investigated. I think from a political perspective um, is that obviously Oranga Tamariki has just you know, been such a massive problem for the country and particularly for our most vulnerable children. And there was that real big push when the late Suwara Gardner was brought in to kind of overhaul it when Gronya Moss, the former chief executive, basically lost her job over it um, and the Waitangi Tribunal findings um, and, and, and inquiry which found that it was um, it had systemic racism um, in that organisation. So hugely problematic organisation, big efforts to try to turn it around and the Minister responsible Calvin Davis said look it's a big ship to turn around, we, we feel like we haven't been in the news um, as much as, as we were, we were almost in the news daily um, we've been doing lots of good things and these actions from some staff members are now undermining that. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've got those inquiries underway now by police into those allegations and also the inquiry by Mike Bush underway. Calvin Davis made an interesting point, I thought, too. Like you say, right, they haven't been in the news a lot recently and that's possibly why it was, again, so sort of shocking and disappointing and frustrating. Is that the it, judge it, of a good, of a well... well that's, working ministry though and and indeed that exactly right he's like he said in his in his they called an urgent debate about this and and he's been criticized for some other things he said in this debate but he also made the point he's like no urgent debate is called for all of the children that are being taken care of by this ministry which like you say right what's where's the kind of judgment That's a given say that? It, yeah That's a given <laughs> part of yeah. this kind of in the sense of like we should be clapped on the back for you know doing our good our jobs I, I think for this for me when it is two separate incidents um, for, of people who are not known to each other to me that shows an issue with the type of people who are attracted to this work and the way that they are being vetted because I think that um, I, I think that those raise red flags that multiple people um, as part of these organisations um uh, are treating children like this. I One of the things that really stuck out for me with the coverage was um, Karen Shaw, the ACT MP who was in state care herself, delivering a speech um, just about how unbelievably frustrating it was. And she was really emotional in, in it. And I just think that, um, I think as, as New Zealanders, we feel like we have a pretty basic right for our children to be looked after. And if they are in state care, even more so being looked after. And I just, to me, this just doesn't sit right with anyone and it feels heartbreaking and it's and I totally get why it's emotive for our politicians and I think we've seen some of that in the last few days. I think the Children's Commissioner... Um Judge Francis Ivers made a good point in that, you know, it was two years ago that the Children's Commission office recommended that we move to closing down all of the care and protection residences nationwide. Now, um, they say that work is taking too long. It's understandable with Calvin Davis saying, look, you know, we have to um, get 
building consent and get land and, and build these new premises and find the staff to, to so it's it's a massive issue but I think you know two years later and they're mm. still seeing um, these facilities be so problematic and damaging that's the mm. thing is, is damaging these young people that surely you know it needs to move faster and he still can't give a timeline on when these new um, residences will be in place and, and that this was only found out because of a random visit by the children's Commissioner, that right? was like in that, one case. Yes. That process for one of them, but in so the, that's good that that worked. It, eh? It's good yeah. it worked, but in the sense too that the children's commissioner role is being watered down, right, and brought within a government industry. So again, it's like not an independent watchdog. It comes under the umbrella of the. And the other government. thing is, is that we one you spoke to a source close to one of the residences who said that they're aware of um, multiple complaints being raised about staff behaviour, and that at, at a management level, at a management facility level they just aren't taken seriously enough Um, and again when we interviewed that young person who raised a complaint against a staff member um, they claimed that that staff member was simply moved to a different unit but still on the same facility site so still working with young people and actually still in kind of um, proximity to that alleged victim. Just before we wrap up, Jess, you're heading to China in a couple of days. Yeah, well, shall I do that as part of my pits and All right, my yeah, let's do pits um, and peaks. The Prime Minister is heading to China on Sunday for a week-long visit over there. He secured a meeting with Xi Jinping. It's our largest trading partner and also um, an important diplomatic relationship for us too. Uh, I went last time with Jacinda Ardern in... 2019, and I remember it really well, A, because it was just after the March 15 attack, so we'd been down in Christchurch focusing on that, and then it was such a sort of um, whiplash then switching your mind to uh, China, but but because it was, because of March 15, she was only there for 24 hours, so it was a truncated trip, but it will be really interesting to see how that relationship has changed between then and now. Um, the Pit for me is that it's been um, <laughs> the Michael Wood story really got in the way of me preparing for China. There's quite a lot you have to do. So that was really irksome. Um, and yeah, I, I think that there's just a bit of prep and, and we're not really that match fit with big trips at the moment. Like I feel like we used to do them all the time and I just feel like we're a little, because of COVID, um, I just think we haven't I, we haven't really got our groove. And that goes for everyone with, you know, TVNZ to MFAT to the government so um, uh, we're looking forward to it but they're big trips with I think arguably the worst time zones but so those are those are my but very excited about it so pits and peaks. <laughs> oh and Beijing had it's like hottest day in decades um, yesterday I think. Yeah <laughs> so yeah going to be real you hot. Be, you might be toasty too. Yeah I'll take a fan. <laughs> Benedict? Yeah so I'm well while Jess gets to um, go to China I get to go to the national parties uh annual um, conference this weekend. In Wellington. In Wellington. Um, so Probably won't be 40 nice. degrees there. Um, and one thing that I'm quite looking forward to, I'm kind of imagining this, is the conversation that um, Simeon Brown and Amanda Luxon are going to have um, at, the, at, at the conference. Um, because a little story um, uh, blew up again this week about um, whether or not the Luxons have claimed the clean car rebate on their um, Model Y Tesla. Now, in the Luxons have had a Tesla in the past, and Christopher Luxon has said publicly multiple times that he has a Tesla. 
this time when this uh, story broke this week he said no no it's not mine it's my wife's and this is not up for discussion we are not talking about this um tesla uh and it's it's her her financial business none of mine i'm the politician so he, he didn't really want to be um uh, you know questioned about whether I'm or not i'm going to use that line a lot now that's just not up for discussion it's <laughs> yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. a new thing I, I, I did quite enjoy that um but i was looking back through the hansard at what the national party um because christopher luxon has repeatedly criticized the scheme for uh giving basically um subsidies to um rich people for their teslas and then i looked back and at a speech that simeon brown gave on the um clean car legislation in which he um, went repeatedly after um, after the government for um, taking money off working class Kiwis and giving it to the, um, the millionaires of Remuera um, <laughs> and, and Ponsonby and Wellington Central for their Teslas and putting the boot repeatedly into um, the wealthy people and their Tesla subsidies. So I'm wondering if they're going to have a, a wee chat this weekend. I think I know who I would back to win that argument. I'm not sure if it's going to be yeah, it? I mean, Brown. Pretty, I mean, yeah, pretty, I pretty uh, ironic. Uh, I, th- I thought that, that story this week, and yeah, a little bit awkward for uh, Christopher Luxon, even though it's not up for discussion. Uh, my pit of the week too was that Benedict went along to a um, yoga media, um, co- it was a media appearance that was meant to be with politicians doing yoga, and they all refused to do yoga in front of the cameras. So that Did was they like, stop? Would no, they not? No, no politicians turned up when we were there, except for the police minister, Ginny Anderson, who walked past me and said, there is no way I'm doing yoga in front front of you guys again because when I became police minister both you and your opposition led the 6pm bulletins with footage of me doing yoga previously she was actually very good at yoga but never mind I'm not going to be on TV doing downward dog again she said or something like that so yeah oh well my lived and learned my peak is just to be back here. I'm very, ex- I'm very happy to be back. Actually, I, you know, I was a little bit nervous about coming back after being off for so long, but actually, it's been very exciting. So and that like riding is my a peak. bike, Mikey Sherman, mm-hmm. riding a bike, riding a Tesla, riding a Tesla. <laughs> On that Tesla note, my pit of the week was, yes, Kevin Davis um, making a little Tesla comment during an, ur- an urgent debate around the issues of Oranga Tamarakis. Probably a time and a place for a Tesla comment during this week, but that was probably not he's, the time for that. He's calling Luck, um, Christopher Lux Mr. Tesla, yeah, right? Because yeah, yeah. he was getting interjections in the house while he was doing his speech, yeah. but even so. Um, my peak, though, I want to shout out our camera operator of the gallery, Mr. Sam Anderson. We were out at the hut yesterday on a very big, long day trip out following the Prime Minister, which is going to happen more and more, I think, leading up to the election. Sam was very excited about it. We're in this massive new uh, sports facility, following him around all day, and the the end of the tour was the, the locker room area. And there were a bunch of numbers, obviously, all that we would put all your shirt numbers up, et cetera, et cetera. Sam comes up to me and he's like, what's something, you know, clever? Is there something that we can do with the numbers that we can, you know, film Chippy in front of these numbers? What's something clever we can do? And I was like, he is now down to 19 cabinet ministers because he got rid of Michael Wood and hasn't elevated anyone new into that. So... Bless Sam went and got into position and filmed Chippy just in front of the number 19. So I'm hoping that those pics get used eventually at some point. Look out for those He's in our next poll. He's such a political poll. geek now. Eh? He absolutely is. Mm. Did he take to, you to Brewtown to after? No, he didn't. We, oh. we did. Yeah. She was Chippy, like, Chippy she was told working. everyone to go to Brewtown as part of his speech. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you guys should all go there on your way home. Anyhow. That's us uh, for this And when she week. says Chippy, she means Prime Minister Chris Chris Hipkins, Hipkins you're right. Apologies. Ah, 
that was One News Inside Parliament, your peek behind the scenes on the biggest political stories of the week inside Parliament. Head to onenews.co.nz for more insight and follow One News on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. To finish off, a big thank you to our recording team, Brian and Lisa. Woo-hoo. Hey Te Wiki, catch you all next week.